0: In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special.
1: Yeah, I, so the class really is intended not just for people who who want to go into the business or are thinking they might want to go into the industry but also for people who just want to be able to talk to their friends and their family about this art form that we're consuming just in much greater quantities than than literature or theater or poetry for the most part how tv got to the point uh that it's at now where we Uh, a lot of people call it the the golden age of television, the second golden age. Some people call it the third golden age of of television. There are two sort of key artistic turns that led us here in my mind. And the first is a show that none of my students have even heard of, let alone watched the show Hill Street Blues. And that show in the eighties, Stephen I uh, decided what if instead of having just one story per episode like TV basically had been for its first 40 years of existence, you know you go back and you watch something like Perry Mason and Perry Mason hears about a case he he gets the case, he tries the case and the case is decided and that's an episode of Perry Mason. Stephen Bochco said, what if we have a case and that's the A story and we follow that from beginning to end, but what if we also have a B story and that's maybe another case, but one with maybe lower stakes or in a different arena.
0: And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, patience, and perseverance per usual. Yale educator and TV writer-producer, Aaron Tracy returned to chat with me about surviving the writer's strike, finally teaching the podcast at Yale, and his latest audio thriller on Audible, Nowhere Man, starring Lee Pace and Zosha Mamet. Aaron also teaches the art and craft of television drama at Yale University, and his TV credits include Law & Order, SVU, Fairly Legal, The Tap, and Sequestered, for which he was creator and exec producer. He's also a creator, director, and executive producer of scripted audio dramas from iHeartRadio, Audible, and Spotify, with various production partners, including Supreme, The Battle for Roe, his nine-part audio drama starring Eva Longoria, featuring Maya Hawke and William H. Macy, Murder in Bermuda, featuring Mary Louise Parker, and many others. His most recent is Nowhere Man, exclusively from Audible, a noir political thriller executive produced by and starring Lee Pace with co-stars Zosha Mamet and Chaz Palminteri. Set so in the mid-80s, Nowhere Man is a dark, paranoid thriller about temptation and obsession through the prism of a profession most people don't even know exists. Aaron's debut audio drama, The Coldest Case, a detective thriller starring Aaron Paul, Kristen Ritter, and Alexis Bodell, premiered as the number one download on Audible in 2021 and has since become the most downloaded show in Audible Plus history. In this file, Aaron and I discussed why he loves the 80s period pieces, how his directing experience has shaped his writing, why he teaches the narrative podcast the same way he teaches television drama, the two greatest innovations of the modern TV art form, what aspiring TV writers should be reading, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show, by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back. Once again on the Writer Files, and I am honored today to be joined by a return guest. We've got Yale educator, TV writer, producer, and audio drama uh, extraordinaire Aaron Tracy's hanging out with us once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this again. <laughs> a lot of big words in there, extraordinaire, honored. <laughs> uh, you set me up for disappointment. Yeah, um, we we tend to do that. But um, yeah, I can't wait to pick your brain once again, and I got the opportunity to check out your latest, which is forthcoming. This uh, fantastic new Audible, uh, and yeah, we want to talk about Nowhere Man, of course. But yeah, let's just recap a little bit because in our last chat, you came on. We talked about you know kind of these two paths available to aspiring TV writers. How you guys are kind of like always pitching ideas to different platforms, of course, including the audio dramas and, and streamers and so on and so forth. And, and um, yeah, how you kind of broke through and, and started landing these bigger stars um, for these fantastic audio dramas. Of course, your hit um, audio drama that we talked about last time, The Coldest Case, uh, with Aaron Paul and Chris Ritter and Alexis Bodell, which was the number one download on Audible in 2021. And you are back once again to talk, um, about your latest, but yeah, catch us up a little bit about what you've been up to, because I know in the interim that you had done a really, really important project with Ava Longoria, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so over the summer, A new audio drama came out that I wrote called Supreme, The Battle for Roe, which was a nine-part courtroom drama, I guess you could call it, about Roe v. Wade. Um, Specifically, it was about the young lawyer who argued Roe v. Wade. One of the sort of more amazing things to me, this little nugget of American history that I didn't know about, I think a lot of people don't know about, Uh, The lawyer who argued Roe v. Wade, who won Roe v. Wade, was 26 years old. Her name was Sarah Weddington. And she had never argued a case before. She had never gone to court before. She had barely been out of West Texas before. And she took on Roe v. Wade through a funny series of circumstances that you can hear about in the show. But um she took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, of course, and when she won, she became the youngest person in history to ever win a case in the Supreme Court. So it was this amazing underdog Aaron Brokovich type story. It was mm-hmm. the early 70s obviously, and a, a female lawyer back then she says was like a, a three-headed alien anyway. And so it was just like obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And um, the fact that it was about the abortion debate made it incredibly you know interesting to me. I have Strong feelings about the abortion debate. It's obviously top of mind for a lot of people these days. Um, but just the, the the story, the underdog story, almost like a sports story of, you know, getting your first case all the way to the Supreme Court and winning it is what also really, really appealed to me. So yeah, so I brought on Eva Longoria uh, to be my producing partner on it because she made this fantastic documentary on Netflix called Reversing Row. And then we had a great cast, uh Maya Hawk plays sarah weddington abigail breslin plays her partner linda coffee william h macy plays justice blackman who ends up writing the decision in roe v wade um hamilton lighthouser of the walkman does our music it's a it's i'm really 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 proud of it i think it's a a really strong series and yeah it's it's on my heart very cool so, um, yeah.
0: So what else have you been up to? I mean, obviously you're keeping busy.
1: Yeah. We had a writer's strike. The writer's strike definitely, you know, threw a wrench in everybody's plans for 2023. Uh, but, uh, it's come to a successful conclusion and it actually worked out kind of timing wise. It worked out well for me because I had a two month old baby when the writer's strike started. Oh, and wow. so I got to just sort of hang out with the baby and go for long walks and yeah, that was pretty great.
0: Amazing, yeah. Well, I must have afforded you some time to, to uh, b- bask
1: in that. Yeah. Time, that's really, really a special time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I mean, it's so terrifying in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so getting to be there for it uh, was nice. It would have been awfully weird to go right back to work. Yeah, always. Well, that's cool, and congratulations. Thanks.
0: But yeah, let's talk about... Um, What's coming up on the slate? And, uh, of course, I want to talk about Nowhere Man, um, which I had the opportunity to preview.
1: Oh, thanks. The yeah. first
0: episode, and it is really, really cool. Oh, good. It just kind of sucks you in. And, of course, it's a period piece, too, which I thought was even more fascinating because it's such a cool concept. But, yeah, talk a little bit about kind of how this whole thing came together. And then, of course, working, the believe, again with Lee Pace, mm-hmm. who's fantastic um, but yeah, talk about how this came together.
1: Yeah, uh, so Nowhere Man is is my new show that I created for Audible, and uh, yeah, I, I'm incredibly proud of it. It's a thriller. It also stars Zasha Mamet from Girls and Flight Plan, and everybody knows who she is. Uh, Chaz Palminteri plays the the sort of the heavy, which I mean, you know, he could do in his sleep. He's amazing in it. Uh, The cast is amazing. Joe DeRosa, Andrew Santino, Gabrielle Ruiz from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Dennis O'Hare. And um, it's about this, it's about, Lee Pace plays um, a professional vetter. And I didn't really know what what a vetter was other than in the political arena. You know, a a vetter is the person you call when you need a Supreme Court justice looked into, or a vice presidential candidate looked into, make sure there's no skeletons in their closet. But what I didn't know is that most white shoe law firms, major law firms, have vetters on staff. And they're needed when Mark Zuckerberg hires a high-level software engineer. He needs the candidates vetted. The Secret Service needs candidates vetted. NASA needs people vetted. So these people are kind of like private investigators, but at just like a super high level, the the sort of the joke that the Lee Pace character makes in the show is that ex-cops become private investigators, ex-CIA become vetters. And I was just completely just enthralled by by his world, you know, the world of a of a vetter. So I created a sort of a fictional story about a vetter who is called to look into the top couple candidates to run one of Vegas's most profitable casinos. So it's a lot. It's sort of a high stakes show because he's being he ends up being pushed from a lot of different angles. Because uh, a lot of people want their candidate to become the the president of the Vegas casino. There is a lot of money at stake, and I said it in the eighties because I don't know. I mean, a few different reasons. I I liked. I, I love writing period pieces for one, but it felt the the, the sort of the tonal uh, touchstone for me for this show is the lives of others. You know that one, the the German movie. Mm-mm. I, I love it. It's it's just a really smart paranoid thriller uh, about the SS. And that took place in the eighties, of course. And then, the idea with the main character Spencer, by played by Lee Pace, is that he was this sort of master of the universe, this like Tom Wolfian master of the universe, mm-hmm. who had a major fall when he screwed up on a vet, and now, as our show opens, he's got one last chance. He's got this job to try to get back uh, on top, or at least get off the the bottom rung of life. And um (laughs) so for the same reason, I I liked that. It's sort of the bonfire of the vanities era um version of this guy. Yeah. And so anyway, so I'm I'm just incredibly proud of it. It's um it's very noir. Like I said, the cast is amazing. And yeah, I'm really hoping people listen on Audible.
0: Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and right on. For sure. Um, yeah, it's enthralling and, and just kind of uh, that, that audio soundscape just kind of pulls you into that world, which yeah. is great. Such a high quality okay. audio production. But talk, talk a little bit about putting it together. Because were you, um, do you have kind of your, some more hands-on, like we're doing some directing. We're doing,
1: yeah, I directed this one. Um, I, it's been really fun to direct. Uh, I've now directed, I guess, uh, three of these uh, audio dramas that I've created, and it's it's just great. It's when you direct one of these shows, it's just very, very, very different than than what people are maybe imagining in terms of directing TV or film. You don't have to worry about anything but the characters' performances. Uh, the actors' performances, I should say. So it's working closely with actors. It's trying to, you know, make sure that all the actors are on the same page in terms of the the tone that you're going for, in terms of sort of a, a larger vision for the series. Uh, and then you can be almost to a, you know, if you're a perfectionist, it's not the job for you. Uh, and <laughs> I am a perfectionist, and so it's a little bit torturous at times because. Um, unlike when you direct TV, you know, there you you can only get so many takes. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. You got to get so many pages done. You've got lots of actors in every scene. Often you've got 200 crew members standing around. So you're really wasting time if you don't go in there with a plan and get it done, um, you know, in a time efficient way here, you've got your, your actors for anywhere from an afternoon to a week, and you can just do every single line nine different ways if you want. You know, give give me this one line, line two hundred and forty six. Give that to me. You know, fifteen different ways, uh, <laughs> and and then in editing, you know, you can sort of figure out which take you want to use. But yeah, you can drive yourself crazy because the actors are all recording individually. Um, yeah. I think on this show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on this show we didn't record anyone together. on On past shows, maybe in for all I think I've done now, uh, ten or so of these audio dramas, and I've only had actors record together two or three times, and you cannot tell the difference in the final product <laughs> at all. You, you you know, good editors, um, people, you know, much. Better than me at this. Who who do our soundscape um, can really put it together so that you have absolutely no idea that the actors didn't record together. But um, to to make them match and to uh, you know sort of create the the tension or the pacing or whatever it is you're you're going for, you really can drive yourself crazy by having the actors do each individual line or do each scene just over and over and over again. Um, so anyway, so so the show came together. Um, I wrote. I wrote the first episode on spec, I was, I was up here at Yale, I had a couple hours to kill before class, and I remember just sitting down and writing it. And it just, it was one of those rare, rare moments where it just kinda came out of me. And I was happy with it. I mean, I've, I obviously subsequently rewrote it many times, but that first draft felt good. Um, and so I hooked up with a audio company called the Paragon Collective, and uh, together with UTA's help, uh, we took it to Audible. And managed to sell it. And then, yeah, i I try to remember how exactly the casting process worked. But I think Lee Pace might have always been our, are sort of number one. He's, mm. I'm just such a huge fan of his from halt and Catch Fire and and I mean so much of his work. Pushing Daisies, yeah. Uh, and he was like the perfect Spencer. And then Zasha Mamet to play his sister in law who who has a pivotal role in the series. And like I said, Chaz Palminteri playing a Vegas heavy was a, a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing cast. And I mean, I guess the only um, the only hiccup, which turned out to be sort of a fun problem to solve, was Lee was in Spain uh, shooting his Apple show when we needed to record him. And so we had to find him. I mean, he wasn't just in Spain. He was in a, on a small Island off the coast of Spain. We had to find him a recording studio where he could go. And obviously it was, you know, many, many hours ahead of us and we had to sort of work out, you know, there was a, a small sliver. It was morning in New York, maybe, or I don't even know. I don't remember what time it was, but we had to deal with me in New York, the Paragon Collective in Los Angeles, Lee off on a small island off the coast of Spain, and um, somehow the the tech all worked out, and we were able to record him, and it worked out. But um, yeah, I mean that that sort of thing happens all the time. I mean, not nearly as much, obviously, as as when you're navigating all the tricky waters of of TV and film. But yeah, once in a while, you gotta you gotta problem solve. Yeah, he's so great. And
0: Lee, speaking of Lee Pace, I guess he was shooting Foundation. Is that yeah, the most of that? Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's a pretty pretty intense show. With it
1: seemed a lot of CG stuff. And yeah, he's an intense dude. He's an amazing actor, and he takes a lot of big swings with with uh, with our show. He he doesn't just play down the middle. Um, The the idea of a Vetter is that he's always taking on new personas as he investigates people. He's got to pretend to be these other people when he goes and investigates so that, you know, he sort of doesn't get found out uh, for, you know, because the candidates sort of aren't supposed to know that they're being investigated in the first place. And taking on these different personas, Lee just jumped into it. Um, Yeah, yeah, really, really goes far with his performance. I think people are going to dig it. Incredible.
0: Yes. So, well, congrats, of course, on Nowhere Man. um, There On Audible, of course, we'll link to all the things and how are you teaching presently? I mean, I know you're on yeah. campus. I'm
1: on campus. Uh Yeah. Today is our last class actually of the fall semester. Yeah. Which is sad. It's been a, it's been a really great group this semester. Uh, so this is the, the TV writing class I teach and then I'll be back in the spring uh, with two classes. I'll be teaching sort of the advanced version of the TV class and then. For the first time ever, uh, I'm introducing a new class called Narrative Podcasts. Um, ah. Yeah, near and dear to maybe both of our hearts. Uh, podcasting at Yale.
0: That's so cool. So we had kind of teased in our last episode, like, uh, would you be, t- you know, pitching and teaching the art and craft of audio drama? Yeah. Um, but and of look course, at that. It came true. And you had talked about, yeah, p- potentially doing a podcasting class. So that's so cool. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the syllabus or, um, it's yeah. really, fa- it's pretty fascinating. And obviously you're, you're doing it there now and you're, you're sitting in a podcasting studio that does like some video podcast stuff and yeah, working with engineers there, which is very cool. But, uh,
1: yeah, talk a little bit about this new, the new one. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll have a much better handle on it after we get <laughs> a, a few weeks in, but the idea is, um, I'll be teaching narrative podcasts in the same way that I sort of teach TV drama meaning, you know, we're going to be sort of listening to and and analyzing and discussing some of the greats uh, in the medium. So I might, I I haven't quite figured out if I'm going to ask them to read or sorry, to listen to any of my podcasts. Do you ever have any professors Uh in college who like assign their own book on the syllabus? (laughs) Of course. I I don't know if I could do that. I've never done that before. Um, But I can sort of talk about them intimately in a way that I won't (laughs) be able to talk about the others. So maybe I'll do it. I don't know. Um, but we're going to be listening to to lots of great ones, um, and not just scripted audio drama, which is most of what I do, but sort of narrative podcasts in any form. So, Rachel Maddow has some incredible nonfiction podcasts um, about the the Spiro Agnew affair, for instance. Um, this American Life has done amazing narrative podcasts. Uh, Dead Eyes. Uh, any podcast fan out there, I'm sure, is familiar with that one about an actor who um, got fired off a of Band of Brothers. There, there are so many great narrative podcasts out there that are that are not just scripted. And so the idea is we're gonna we're gonna really tackle them, see you know what makes them work, what the flaws are, how students uh, can you know think about them in a way that not just prepares them to potentially go into a career in podcasting, but also just to appreciate them. I really believe that podcasts are becoming an art form just like TV, film, literature, poetry, theater, that's worthy of being studied. And so its I'm, I'm very excited that the, the English department, specifically the creative writing department, agrees.
0: And it's a testament to the, as you said, to the art form and and kind of the explosion of its popularity. And, you know, partly we can blame, um, serial and and, and the
1: many other, uh, true crime podcasts that have totally sprouted from that. Yeah. And those are great narrative too. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely deal with some true crime for sure,
0: but very cool. And, uh, yeah, I wish I could audit that one for (laughs) sure. But yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about kind of some of your, sensibilities and influences as a a television writer a writer of audio dramas and as a writer when you're teaching the art and craft of tv drama now yeah give us a little bit of kind of the the 101 and you know i don't know i'm i'm i was just kind of imagining like as a listener of this show who is interested in learning more about how to become a television writer and or audio dramas of course now that we can kind of lump those in, but um, yeah where 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 do you start with your students and, and kind of give us a little bit of the some of that syllabus as well?
1: Yeah, I, so the class really is intended not just for people who who want to go into the business or thinking they might want to go into the industry, but also for people who just want to be able to talk to their friends and their family about this art form that we're consuming just in much greater quantities than than literature or theater or poetry for the most part. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an appreciation and a critical, uh, understanding of the art form, uh, is the goal anyway. And then it's also, yeah, for anybody who, who wants to sort of go into this industry like I did, hopefully it's a bit of a, a primer. So on the first day, I mean, maybe that's the best way to talk a little bit about what I, my spiel on the first day. I'm trying to think now. So we're on week 13 uh, today. So I got to think back 13 weeks. But um, I often talk about how TV got to the point uh, that it's at now where we, uh, a lot of people call it the the golden age of television, the second golden age, some people call it the third golden age of, of television. There are two sort of key artistic turns that led us here in my mind. And the first is a show that, none of my students have even heard of, let alone watched the show Hill Street Blues. And that show in the 80s, uh, Stephen Botchko, uh, decided what if instead of having just one story per episode, like TV basically had been for its first 40 years of existence, you know, you go back and you watch something like Perry Mason and Perry Mason, hears about a case, he he gets the case, he tries the case, and the case is decided. And that's an episode of Perry Mason. As Stephen Botchko said, what if we have a case, and that's the A story, and we follow that from beginning to end, but what if we also have a B story? And that's maybe another case, but one with maybe lower stakes or in a different arena. And then what if we have a C story, which is a relationship story between two of our main characters? And maybe we have even a, a D story, like a little runner, some some very low stakes, small story that uh, you know begins and ends in the course of the episode. And people hadn't really done that before. And the idea... Idea of that really led to an explosion of sophisticated storytelling. No longer did you have to just have one case that you would follow through uh, from beginning to end. You could now tell a bunch of different stories and you could sometimes parallel the stories. You could have a theme that brought the stories together. Uh, you could have relationship storylines that lasted over the course of several episodes or even a season. And I was, you know, sort of a, a giant breakthrough that we don't, we completely take for granted now. Of course, almost every show is like that, but it was a big deal at the time. And then another, the other big, I guess, artistic sort of innovation that led to this golden age, I would argue, is the innovation of the anti hero in the early 2000s, which I, I think you can make a really good argument that it is the art form of the. You know the first twenty-three years of, of this century, the the anti-hero on TV. I'm talking about the Tony Sopranos and the Walter Whites and the leads of so many other shows from Damages, even Sex in the City. You could argue, catastrophe. You could argue a comedy like that, um, but so many shows, obviously shows like The Shield, um, and and of course much more much more current ones um, before the two thousands the hero of the show had to be virtuous, right? The hero of the show could not exist in a gray area. Uh, even when The Sopranos started, they wouldn't let Tony kill someone until I think it was episode four, College, uh, which of course is now thought of as a you know, brilliant episode. Everybody looks back on and loves that episode, but they were too worried that Tony killing someone in the first episode, which is what David Chase wanted to do, would turn off the audience. They wouldn't be willing to follow him. And now that of course seems, you know, just I don't know, so so silly. We're, we're at a place where we expect our main characters um to not be virtuous, to, to exist in these gray areas, to do uh sometimes really nasty things. And what it has done is opened up just a whole world of sophistication in characterization and in storytelling. Your main character doesn't have to be a good guy by the end. Your main character can you know, exist in, in multiple worlds. They can be messy the way people are in real life. They can have affairs, they can steal, they can lie, they can do all the things that real people do. Um, and so those two things really did change sort of the the landscape of television writing, um, and of course there's you know there's a million other reasons why television is 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 so extraordinary now. A lot of them are having to do with the sort of the financial and commercial aspects of of the industry, like streaming, of course, and cable before that, and no longer being completely beholden to the Soap commercial, the soap companies and the car companies for what your content can be, but that's all sort of a little bit boring. The, the artistic uh, changes are, are what most excite me. Anyway, so we, we I talk about that a little bit on on the first day, and um and and we read a ton of great scripts and we talk about them, we analyze them. The students write all the steps toward creating their own pilot that I write when I sell a pilot. So in other words, if I go and I sell a pilot or any TV writer goes and sells a pilot to a network, you are on the hook to write a story area, which is a five page document that lays out your pilot story, an outline, which is a 12, roughly 12 page document that lays out every scene of your show. And then of course the the pilot script. And that's exactly what the students are doing. And so it's, it's both, it's, sort of good practice or a, a good sort of beginning toward what their career might be if they go into this, or just a really great way to understand the process of how these things are are conceived and made.
0: Yeah, very cool for that kind of flyover. And, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, um, kind of that explosion and these really, really innovative pieces to what we're seeing today, which is this kind of explosion of Uh, you know I, i don't know if you could speak to or talk about like what the tv landscape looks like to you today because it's obviously a little bit different than it was at the in the early aughts because there are so many streamers and so many options for viewers that were just kind of inundated it seems um obviously we've had a little bit of a break with the strike but like just new content constantly coming out. And then it would seem that there's are so many like police procedurals to choose from. Yeah. Um, you know, like one after the other, after like moving from city to, to city, to state, to c- country, to country now <laughs> is
1: really kind of, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I've, I've mixed minds about this. I, I find when, I mean, right now it's, it's, December. So when we sit down to watch something, we're pretty much watching like the screeners have just come out for all the films of the year. Um, and so we're watching a lot of films. Um, this weekend, my wife and I watched a little bit of the new Martin Scorsese movie and a little bit of May, December, the new Todd Haynes movie and a little bit of bottoms. I mean, we're, we're sort of trying a little bit of everything. um, Unfortunately, not not finishing anything, which we really <laughs> need to be better about. But yeah, that's I don't know. I, I'm curious what you do, but I'm finding more and more that that's what I'm excited about. At least, at least, literally, like right now in this moment, this time of year, is yeah. trying movies, watching half an hour, and then going to bed, or you know, whatever we have time for at night, and coming back the next night and watching another half hour, sort of treating movies like half-hour TV shows. Huh, um, yeah there's no TV show, at least literally right now that I'm super excited about. And part of that is of course, because we just had a writer's strike. And so everything is a little bit delayed. Um, And of course the actor's strike, uh, the show that I have been most excited about recently is a show called Paul T. Goldman that Hmm. I, I, whenever I recommend it to someone that people, um, have rarely heard of it. I think I think it's on Peacock. I mean it's on a on a network, uh, you know, a streaming network that not everybody has. It's a super weird show that's kind <laughs> of indescribable. It's part true crime, part mockumentary, um, part biopic. I I, I don't want to give too much away, but sort of the the premise is a guy believes that his wife is a true story. A guy believes that his wife has um an alternate life and he takes it upon himself to (laughs) figure out the mystery, figure out whether or not it's true, sort of bring her to justice. And that's a true story. And the guy plays himself. And the guy also wrote a screenplay, a fictional screenplay about (laughs) his wife and what he thinks is going on with her. And they film some of the screenplay with him playing himself. And so it's just like layer upon layer upon layer. And I guess I mean, one of the reasons I like it so much is because there is nothing else like it. I feel like we're at a point now where so many TV shows are just like a million other TV shows. There's there's less innovation in this moment than there has been. And so when a show like that comes along, we just get so excited. Um, and anytime something comes that that just feels new, I guess is what we're most excited about these days.
0: Yeah. No. I can. I, I concur. Um, definitely definitely interested in are you watching anything right now you guys? independent film and i got kind of got stuck on both the bear which is oh a the bears restaurant great. yes yeah uh show so so i think i recently wrapped the second ended up watching the second season
1: one of those rare shows where the second season is even better than the first amazing yeah yes. it's so captivating but i i i was oh. just trying to figure out how they
0: directed that because the the acting is so intense yeah, yeah, completely. But uh, yeah, that was one, and then i I've got stuck on uh, what we do in the shadows, which is uh, just oh, yeah. a ribald um, you know, like vampire in contemporary
1: New York, yeah. or whatever, which is hilarious. Yeah, I've heard great things about that. Yeah,
0: uh, a good one. But um, yeah, and then of course I am notorious just for falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, because you know who, You've who got has kids. that many hours of the day, right? So. Yeah. We'll start something, same, watch a half hour of it, kind of like a TV show, and then be like, I, you know, yeah. like, my eyes open, so I'll oh. have to come back to it. And then I'll have to re- rewind it like 10 minutes to remind myself like right. where we were. I'm with you. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Scorsese, I, I do wish we could just go to the theater one night, just get a babysitter, go to the theater, yeah. watch it. I mean, obviously that's the, that's the right way to watch it. That's the way Scorsese intended us uh, yeah. to watch it. But in the real world, when that's sort of difficult, it's going to provide <laughs> us with like, A week, week. yeah, (laughs) a week of entertainment, which is going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, well, to bring it full circle, and I'm glad you mentioned Scorsese. I thought your latest Nowhere Man has this uh, great 80s sensibility, Uh, and I thought of some Scorsese, of course, with the Casino piece, and then oh, um, cool, yeah. I I always I'm just such a big fan of Michael Mann, Mm -hmm. um, and all of his kind of neo noir heist stuff um you know even going back going back all the way to thief which was one of my favorite movies of Mm -hmm. all time
1: yeah and ferrari is going to be great yeah i can't wait
0: yeah yeah for sure so anyway coming back to nowhere man of course um congrats thank you really looking forward to listening to the rest of that okay i'll just i'll just wrap up with kind of a quick recap what the show is about professional vetter spencer martin who left his earlier life and career in shambles, but has one last chance to turn things around. Of course, takes a job vetting potential presidents of Vegas's most profitable casino. And we know what happens from there. Of course, uh, there are notorious mob bosses and, and, Mm -hmm former FBI agents and so on and so forth. But yeah. Who would want to listen to that? Does compelling. That sound like- yeah. And it and, and, and just kind of pulls, pulls you in with all of this fantastic <laughs> sound design. And uh, anyway, yeah. congrats to Thanks you and the team. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate yeah. it. Hey, we appreciate your time for coming back on here. Sorry we've gone a little bit over, but yeah, is there anything else you want to drop um, on? Yeah, I don't know. Um, aspiring television writers before we uh, sign off here.
1: What I tell my students, I I have a student who's, um, you know, I've just accepted students into the spring class, and so a couple of them have been emailing me, you know, what should I watch, what should I read to get ready for class, and there are a million great books out there. I mean, they're always asking me, sort of, which of the of the screenwriting how-to books they should get because if you go to Barnes & Noble or wherever, Amazon, there's just there's, there's a million of them. Most of those books are not good. Most of those books are just like get-rich-quick schemes by the author. Uh, but there's a few, of course, that are great. Uh, the William Goldman books about screenwriting, while they're definitely not how-to's, they're just sort of great primers about the industry. Uh, nobody Knows Anything, of course, uh, being the best one, the, the most famous one. Um, so those are great to read. The Robert McKee, the Save the Cat. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to hurt yourself by reading them. And if anything, they might make you think about structure and characterization, plotting in a, in a new way, or they might be good reminders uh, for you if you're writing a new screenplay. But truly, the best way, what I tell my students, the best way. Uh, to become a better writer is just to read tons and tons and tons of scripts especially now they're all available not all but a lot of them are available online so just go online give yourself a quota i'm going to read one script a week or one script a month if that's all you have time for and read actively you know don't just read it while you're falling asleep on the couch read it with a pen take notes jot down afterwards you know what you think was the the theme of the show or why it worked for you or why it was compelling or a couple details about the main character that really gripped you um that is by far the best way to become a better writer
0: aaron thank you again uh for your words your wisdom for hanging out with us uh, this is great always obviously you're, you're always welcome back but um, we wish you the best of luck and and good luck out there
1: thanks man okay talk soon
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm
1: for more. That's writerfiles.fm.